You're listening to Beyond the Bike with Big Lou. And now a few words from our advertisers. Welcome to Sysmontane Brewing Company. We are located at 1409 East Warner Suite 6, Santa Ana, California 92705. We are open on Monday through Thursday from 3 to 9, Friday and Saturday from 12 to 9, and Sunday from 12 to 6. We have 15 beers on tap with rotating seasonal options. We also have a cask night and taco Tuesday every Tuesday from 3 to 9. And we also feature vinyl Sundays where you can come and choose your own record and we play your music for you. We'll see you soon, Santa Ana. Cheers. City life's getting harder to handle by the minute. Pressure building more day by day. Working hard to make it. It's getting hard to take it, knowing you ain't barely bringing home any pay. Well, I'm dreaming of a place with a little slow pace. We're a man can really go having a little fun. And I know damn good and well, can't escape my heel to the no good low-down work we cast on. Well, take me back. Troubles from another worried man. What's up, guys? Big Lou here. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bike. We're at the uh, Hits 101 Radio Studios, and tonight's special guest is Jules Castellanos. What's up, Jules? With Destiny hey, Rescue. How's it going? How you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> right on. Well, this is this is going to be heavy. You know, we're, we're, this is a heavy topic, and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to touch the subject, just like homelessness, but I think it's something that need, needs to be addressed. So we're gonna we're gonna tackle it head on, you know what I mean. So before that, let's get to know a little about a little bit about you. What are you all about? Like, um, where are you yeah, from? well, I know it is a heavy topic, but uh, I definitely want to try to keep it light and very full of, you know, just hope. Uh huh. Because we really try to bring the hope out of all of it. Okay. Even though it is a heavy topic. Yeah. It's really nice to have hope in the midst of it. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So my name's Jules. For every everybody listening out there, um, I am the. Uh, development team coordinator for Destiny Rescue. Okay. Um, and my job is essentially um, bringing awareness and helping the rest of my team. Um, I coordinate uh, other future events, r- fundraising events, speaking events. Uh, so, yeah, I get to help everybody else out. And um, essentially that's what I do. And a little bit about Destiny Rescue 
is um, we are a nonprofit Christian organization, um, international. So we work in several different countries right now, and um, what we do is we rescue children from the sex trafficking industry. Okay. Yeah, it's it's it is a heavy topic. Yeah. But um, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Love what I do, and um, you know we we want to rescue, restore, and reintegrate these children, and and also prevention. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we do. So okay, so what so. Destiny Rescue is a uh, nonprofit organization based out of the U.S.? The U.S. Um, So we have an international team and our our international headquarters in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have three funding nations, which is Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S. Okay. So our uh, national headquarters is in Indiana. Okay. And I oversee majority of the West Coast. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And so so this company's... uh, they're focused. This is an organization that's focused on res- rescuing kids, rescuing are, underage children. Un- under okay, yeah. So h- how do they go about um, like the process? Like let's let's break it down to like like let's say you know you guys go to obviously other countries, right? Right. So let's say Thailand, for example. Like how do you guys go about you know assessing the situation and figuring out like what's going on with the kids or or you know what I mean like how do they, how do you know like they're the ones that need to be rescued? Um, well, essentially, you know, in, in some countries, um, prostitution is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people try to get away with it, obviously, even here in America. Um, so there's two ways that we go about rescuing children. Um, one way is we work hand-in-hand hand with the government um, in looking for, you know, doing raids and looking looking for those underage children. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do separate as well, where we will send in our own undercover agents and we look for those underage kids. You, you can't deny not when you're in a bar seeing a girl that it, without a doubt is definitely a child, mm-hmm. 14, 15 year old, um, 13, however young they are under the age of 18, you can tell. Right. You can, uh, but they are trained. They are trained to say that they're 18, 19, 21. And, and that, that's just being them being brainwashed, right? Essentially, yeah. right? Uh, it could be brainwashed. There could be trick forced. Um, and sometimes even family members will, will sell them just to have money in their pocket to feed the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really sad, but, you know, they do this. It's it's something to survive, and some girls will even go and do it just to raise money, just to help provide for their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Okay. So there's a difference between human trafficking and sex trafficking. And yes. So you guys focus mainly on the sex trafficking part, right? Correct. We focus mainly on the sex trafficking, um, but that doesn't mean that if we see anybody who is in, you know, being trafficked, whether mm-hmm. it be through labor or any type of trafficking, um, we will rescue them. And help them, and then um, we work with a bunch of different NGOs, which are non-government operations. Mm-hmm. Um, we work hand in hand with many different ones, and they work with us, and um, we'll we'll spread the load essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the countries that are like the biggest offenders uh, of uh, you know that trade? I mean, do you, when do, when you said that do you, you get you getting help from the government, I mean, is there any uh, countries that are hostile towards you guys where they don't want you guys there there always is um no country wants to say that they have this problem mm-hmm. in their country you know even in america we don't want to say that we have this problem um you know a lot of the asian culture countries um seem to be more heavily dense in this um, but you do have some middle eastern countries as well that um it's almost cultural but what I'm, what I'm saying, yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, do you get like a lot of resistance from from from, from like the like the government themselves, where, you know, you know, when you guys reach out to to get any kind of support and help from them, like they're like, yeah, hey, you're on your own type of deal. Uh, no, not necessarily. The, okay. the governments are actually fairly, fairly, actually, very generous in in wanting to help us mm-hmm. secure this because again, they don't want it known in their country. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that there is corruption, but um majority of the governments work very well with us and mm. vice versa we work really well with the governments if anything we want their help <laughs> right now i mean do these countries like um let's see here um uh thailand uh cambodia the dominican republic the philippines or india like these countries do they have um their own organization that that go out and try to 
rescue these kids or you know these people that you know that are kind of you know sucked into this kind of a they do. lifestyle they do they have their um their own government and their government officials mm-hmm. um and some police okay um but again with developing countries it's hard um especially because you can have um even cops that are corrupted that won't report it to their governments um you can have cops that are married to um brothel owners and uh so it's a business for them it is a business and so so, so you, you guys are going in there and, and, and uh screwing up with their business that's what's yeah, going on yeah exactly and so sometimes it's not also also it's not also um such a great thing to be with the government that's why we do separate mm-hmm. um undercover work because um we are messing with somebody's livelihood mm-hmm. that's that's their income right yeah you guys have any uh a current like uh, uh missions that you guys are doing right now or is you guys just kind of keep that under wraps or um we we're rescuing kids every day okay so um you know we can be rescuing anywhere from one to 15 children a day mm-hmm. um, we don't just rescue girls we do rescue um boys too but the majority uh, are, are girls the majority are girls yes wow. yeah what's i mean do you get is there like an age group that's like mainly like what's out on the streets and stuff like that yeah so the average age that we've rescued is 14 years old wow um that's our average age the youngest that we rescued is four years old four years old are oh, you gotta four be kidding years. me no nope. yeah being taught to fondle man at, at that age wow yeah. there's that's 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 sick yeah that's sick uh and you know it's just, it's just because of the need for money right it's always the need for money yeah so people do desperate things when when it comes down to down their luck type of deal. Yeah, because people need money to survive, to to have food on their their plate. If they mm-hmm. have, if a family has a um, a family of five, they're gonna send their oldest child, daughter, or son to go out and find work mm-hmm. um, just to put extra food on the table. Wow. Yeah. So you guys, so how long has this organization been been uh, uh, functioning? Like. When, when was it established? Um, so the U.S. office has been functioning for the past nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, our international team has been functioning since 2001. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> you were saying that – so the president doesn't live here in the U.S. or where does he live? Yeah, our CEO and yeah. um, our, our founder and president lives in uh, Thailand. Okay. Yeah, he's actually Australian. Okay. Yeah, so um, – him and his buddy were having lunch one day and really deciding what they were going to do with, you know, the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, he went to Thailand and, and saw um, some kids with sores and and um, just cuts and bruises and just really, you know, swollen bellies. And he just kind of said a little prayer, said, like, um, you know, God have mercy. And then right before, right, you know, right before he was going to say it out loud, something told him. No, have mercy on me because I'm not doing anything about this. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, he said, I want to do something about it because he has children of his own. He has um, three girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the thought of that uh, just broke his heart. Mm-hmm. So he moved to, picked up his whole life. He was an electrician, uh, picked up his whole life and moved to Thailand wow. and founded Destiny Rescue. That's that's amazing because you know, a lot of people, they just... It's just lip service sometimes, you know what I mean? Like they, there's no like action, be, you know, beyond them just, you know, which is awesome. Like praying for somebody, like that's awesome. But sometimes you need to, to, to take a leap of faith and, and do something that, that you you know, it's out of your comfort zone that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what's really going to happen. But you, it's it's about faith, right, and, and doing something about it and not just lip service sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? That's how I got into this. Right. Yeah. I, I went to school to be a vet for eight years. Okay. And, you know— I grew up knowing this situation until finally the opportunity came to I can actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. I, I took that leap of faith. And, wow. you know, I was two years from getting my, my doctorates and decided, you know. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a, that's a huge leap of faith because, you know, you're, you're already invested in, into, you know, your career, that w- what you want to do. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, like, there's like a curveball like, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're not going to do that now. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> not, needless to say, my parents were not happy about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes they don't, they don't see like the vision. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. parents feel that they're doing the right thing for their kids, but in reality, it's not a benefit. It's like they're holding you back sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, obviously parents want the best for their kids, but sometimes their best is not really what is best for you. You right. know what I mean? But 
I mean, hey, that's what parents are for, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they want to hold you back. Like, hey, mijo, don't, don't, don't go over there. You know what I mean? But sometimes yeah. like, hey, I gotta go, mom. I gotta yeah. go. <laughs> I do get questioned. You know, it, it wasn't so often, but it's been about a year or so, a year and a half since I've left um, school, and I get a question every now and then. Uh, do you ever think about going back? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about it. You know, like, but as of right now, like where I'm at, I'm loving it. I love what I do. Awesome. Yeah. So have you been on the field yet? Have you gone out to to uh, to do some like I guess with like missionary work or no? It's not missionary work, but I mean like go out there and like help the kids out. You um, know. I don't... So I have I have gone overseas, um, not necessarily undercover work. Uh, that takes a lot more of training, um, and of course we you know prefer men to go undercover. Just it's just kind of the deal of the business. Yeah, it's um, many many guys that are out there doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Not, but there are opportunities where you can go overseas as a gentleman um, on behalf of Destiny Rescue, and they'll train you. Um, you can always, you can anybody can uh, email Destiny Rescue to figure out more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have gone overseas, and I've interacted with the girls. I've been to a lot of our homes. Um, I've actually been to six of our homes okay. overseas, and um, you know, I got to interact with them and and let them know who I am and, and kind of just meet them mm-hmm. and, and see what it is exactly we do over there. Right. Yeah. What, what kind of training is involved to, to be a part of an organization like this? Because obviously there's a lot of danger involved, right? Yes. When you're doing a lot of um, undercover work, uh, that's that's mainly where the danger is. Um, a lot of the times we do want uh, people who are, you know, based in like maybe – a retired police officer, a veteran, that always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily need specific training. I mean, um, one of my coworkers, he was just a writer for uh, a, new, a newspaper, and um, he got hired on with Destiny Rescue, and it ended up doing some undercover work. Mm-hmm. So it does. There, there's a level of training that we will do with you, um, but for the most part, we'll we'll take any help. Really? Yeah. Do you do you is it is it a struggle for you guys to to get support and help like that um, to to continue on this this mission that you guys are doing? You know, um, everybody's always raising their hand to do the undercover work, uh, but the main help that where we need is always is always finances. Mm-hmm. You know, it it takes us about fifteen hundred just to rescue one girl. Wow. Yeah. Now um, <clears throat> that money comes from obviously like. The private sector, like, do you, do you guys do you guys get any any kind of help from the government, or is it pretty much just? No, since we are a nonprofit, we don't get any money from the government. It's all of us, um, Australia, New Zealand, and, and um, the U.S. Mm-hmm. raising that money. Yeah. Okay, so you guys do like uh, like charities and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. um, um, like benefit deals. Yeah, we'll do um, you know galas and silent auctions. Um, we do what we call what's called race to rescue, where people can uh, put their own running team together and go run an eight k or ten k and um, raise money that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk to churches, we'll talk to rotary clubs, um, whoever wants to get involved. Mm-hmm. We figure out a way of how they can raise that money and that support. Mm-hmm. But we do get monthly donations from um, your average Joe's, which awesome. is amazing. So, so you guys have rescued since two thousand eleven, rescued over two thousand kids. Correct. Yes. And, and last year alone, we rescued 620. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are getting a lot of traction. Yes. Yes. Um, undercover agents are doing an amazing job. And this year, our goal is to rescue 1,000 girls wow. or children. So, okay. So what, what is this vision 2020? What is, what is that? So by the year 2020, our vision is to have rescued 100,000 100, girls or wow. children. Yeah. That is our goal for 2020. Okay. How, how are you guys going to go about achieving that goal? Um, again, you know, as more funds come in, about 80% of our funds goes to those programs, goes to our um, undercover agents, our rescue programs, um, our rehabilitation programs, our prevention programs. So as the more funds come in, the more we can hire undercover agents that are locals out there because mm-hmm. majority of it is the locals that are going undercover for us. Okay. Um, so the more we can get funds in, the more we can hire those people. Mm-hmm. So, so, so these undercover people, so they, what's, what's the process here? Like, let's say you, you have somebody that's been trained up, you, where do you, 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 you guys have like specific, uh, you know, countries that you guys want to target where you guys are seeing the biggest offenders of, of that? 
Um, well, right now, like you mentioned earlier, we're in Thailand, Cambodia, India, Laos, the Philippines, Dominican Republic. Um, there's not specifically one that we're trying to, we're trying to get them all. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get them all. And, um, there's not a specific location. I mean, there are in certain countries where they're known for their, um, prostitution. Prostitution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were just trying to get them all. Mm-hmm. And that process, it does take a while. Sometimes you find a girl that's just ready to go that night. Sometimes it could take weeks to months for a girl to even earn your trust and so, understand who you are. So these undercover people, agents, so what do they do when, when they get to the, when they arrive, let's say, in, in India? What, I mean, what do they do to, to try to rescue these kids? Um, so they'll pose as a customer um, and they'll pay their, their fee to get into the establishment. Um, and then what they do is they sit down and they start asking around like, Oh, I want to talk to that girl. I want to talk to, um, that girl. If they see that they're looking on the younger side, Mm -hmm. um, and they'll have them come over and they just chat with them and talk with them. Um, and they don't touch them inappropriately. They touch them like they, like a father would touch a daughter. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why it's important to, to, to get trained up, right? Yeah. 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 It is hard because majority of our, our, um, Undercover agents are fathers, so it's hard for them to um, see children like that. Mm-hmm. But that's where the training comes in. Right. Uh, and so that's where the process starts, where they start getting to know them um, until, you know, the child is seeing as, oh, you're you're different than normal customers. Mm-hmm. And once we can get them to that point, you know, um, we will we will ask the, the brothel owner, hey, I would like to take that girl out, out you know, to either another hotel or to a different room. And when they're alone and secluded, that's when they'll introduce themselves and who Destiny Rescue is and what they can do for them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times when this happens, do you get a lot of kids that don't want to be helped? Absolutely. So um, let's talk about the process. I mean, so what do you guys do? Like, okay, so let's we get you have to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out how to convince them to um, to accept the help. Yeah, so, you know... Because obviously, I'm sorry, so obviously you you can't, like, force them, right? You can't force them to to leave what they're doing, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because, I mean, it would be nice, but, you know, then I'm sure it gets political after that. Yeah, yeah, and it does. And, you know, if we know that an establishment is corrupted by the government, we can't bring the government in. Mm -hmm. But um, if the establishment isn't, uh, we'll try to gather enough information um, where we can clearly get concrete evidence that the child is underage and there, or there's multiple children underage and we'll try to do it right. We'll, we'll get the government to conclu- all, get all this information as well mm-hmm. and get a permit for a raid okay. with the government. Okay. Um, if not, you know, it's just a matter of going to the establishment over and over and over again. And so just, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Obviously, your your goal is to to try to rescue as many kids as you, as you can you know as you can in one night. But you know, what's the average rescue rate? You know, like on a daily basis. Um, well, if you're if you're looking at our our numbers, mm-hmm. um, six hundred and forty kids. That's that's children almost every single day, mm-hmm. twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just kids that they're ready. Mm-hmm. They they've been tricked. Yeah. Um, we also, we also, when we give them that opportunity of getting out and earning money a different way, mm-hmm. a lot of them will take it. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of our, the, the children that we rescue stay in our program and we, we know them, we follow them through. There's about 8% that we never hear of, mm-hmm. like never hear them again. We don't know where they're at. Um, and then there's about 12% that do go back. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. So. You guys rescue the certain person. What happens after that? So there's three programs I can go through. Um, there's our home where we can take them into our actual homes and facilities that we have with a bunch of the other children um, and teachers. And um, we'll, we'll begin their rehabilitation process. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that's called Her Home where we will find their families or their place of origin of where they lived and reintroduce them into that. Uh, the third one is more of a like an apartment setting where they don't necessarily feel comfortable going back to an, another home full of another, all girls where they don't trust you as much. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can't go to her home where her family is basically have been corrupted. 
so we have this middle ground where it's just a handful of similar girls that have been rescued mm-hmm. um, with one to maybe two counselors in there. Okay. And it's more of like an apartment complex um, where they have their own rooms. They have their own uh, home living style. Mm-hmm. So they can start learning like, oh, this is what it is to live with like a roommate or mm-hmm. um, a small family or on their own. Mm-hmm. So so you have three different types of living situations, I guess? Yes. So let's, let's talk about the first one. Okay. Uh, which is our home. Mm-hmm. So our home is uh, we can have... We, we can have a house full of anywhere from 5 to 30 children mm-hmm. at one time. Um, that's where they begin their healing process and their rehabilitation process. Um, and then even start learning their own language. A lot of these kids have been abducted with a young age that they don't know how to read or write in their own language. Um, they'll start learning basic fundamental skills like um, how to use a computer, uh, how to wash clothes, uh, how to just be in a in a normal environment mm-hmm. so, so you guys so when when you rescue a, a child so they do they go to the doctor you know they get they go see a psychiatrist i mean yes yeah. so uh they do get medically checked out um if they have been on drugs we'll start that rehabilitation process um do you see a lot of them that are on drugs that you have to like you know you know get them off the drugs or whatever uh not a lot not okay. a high amount just because it's um more of a cultural thing where they're trying to raise money for their family mm-hmm. um but there there is plenty of cases of that okay um and then we do have uh counselors we don't try to call we don't call them psychologists we have counselors mm-hmm. that start working with the girls and showing them their value and um start differentiating with them what is right and wrong because mm-hmm. a lot of them don't know that this is wrong again because they're children right right um and then we have um we play like they. We start introducing how to, for them to be children, mm-hmm. like even just playing games. Um, I went over there and I played shoots and ladders with them. They mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> Musical chairs. It it was awesome. so amazing to see them, laughing and dancing and acting like children, mm-hmm. rather than what they're what what they were yeah. taught to do. Right. Yeah. Just just a just a piece of you know. Yeah. Property. Yeah. So so that that's called our home. That's right? our home. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so you guys come in you get and then you guys try to figure out like where you can put these kids right so so her home is more of a just what? her home is um finding their families okay uh, finding their villages sometimes they're in small come from small small villages uh and sometimes that's hard to find her home where she mm-hmm. came from uh, and we'll go and assess the family and the living situation and that's where we'll start um reintegrating her to her family mm-hmm. um, and making sure it's safe for her to return to her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll help the family. We'll help. We'll teach them a new trade. We'll teach them how to farm, how to sew, how to make their own living mm-hmm. instead of sending their kids off. Right. Um, and really making a functional sustainability for their living situation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that even happens with the whole village. We'll help whole villages um, learn how to farm. And farm mushrooms, farm frogs, farm chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, Something to, to get them to get them away yeah, from. Yeah, to what, sustain what, the village. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you can go to villages and you won't see anybody. You know, a lot of especially girls over the age of eight. Wow. Yeah. Where's the rest of them? They're out working. Wow. Yeah. So it's just little kids running around then. Yeah. Wow. Until they're ready to be sent off. Wow, that's that's heavy. So, it it, it kind of you know like you know us living in you know in 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 America, it's it's kind of hard to to really comprehend like people living in villages because a lot of people here, I think they're, they're, they're they live sheltered lives. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. they, Orange County, that's all they know. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't they don't venture out. They don't go to Mexico or Canada or whatever. They just Orange County is their home. Yeah. So you know it, it's important to for people to see what else you know what else is out there and how other people are living you know and and be a real appreciative of what you have yeah exactly you know what i mean cuz people take it live in orange county or in the united states you know take it for granted well if you think about it the statistic you know from you can find this statistic online 83% of human trafficking is in the undeveloped countries mm-hmm. so you have what 17% that are in the developed countries that's so small and minute but it's because 
in these developed countries like America, you know, the United Kingdom, Australia, there's opportunity for work. There's mm-hmm. always opportunity for work. But still, but but you still have that seventeen percent that's still, still happening. Yes. In in you know in developed countries where you have cell phones, you have mm-hmm. you know more resources than you have in let's say India. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where. That's um, crazy. Yeah, that's where you know again the traffickers are smart. Mm-hmm. They know how to brainwash um, young women and young men. They they know how to get you. You know, it, it's sadly here in America. Um, the main target is the foster care children. You know, they don't know a, a functioning family life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you can have a young girl who is probably going to leave the foster system foster system soon because she's seventeen, going on eighteen, mm-hmm. and um, you have a trafficker who's boyfriending her. That's the the term. Um, says, hey, you know, I want to fly you out here and meet my family. You know, they're talking to them online or through text, through phone. However. For months and say, hey, I want to fly you out here to meet my family. Um, you know, I'm in love with you. You know, let's let's get to know each other's families. Mm-hmm. And, even and that's here in the U.S. That's here in the U.S. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, he buys her a plane ticket. A plane ticket, you know, $500 or $300, $200 is nothing compared to what he will get from using her. Using her. Mm-hmm. And so they will. They'll fly them out to, ha- you know, across the country. And you'll never hear from that child again. Wow. Yeah. That's insane, you know. Um, but we're very fortunate in America, though, that we have a government um, that has its own operating system, like the FBI. They are out there searching for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas some countries, not necessarily. It's not the top of their priority list. Right. Yeah. They got other issues to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, even though human life is so important. You yeah. know what I mean? It's so precious. So when so let's go back to, to um, her home. Okay. So. So you you get these people trained up on you know to sustain them uh, you know have like a sustainable life you know farming or whatever. Um, so once what's the cutoff age for these girls? Like once you like help them and they're educated you know somewhat and you know they can read and write and um, <clears throat> you know almost take care of themselves at like so what you you guys cut them off at eighteen or how does that work? Um, so after they've gone through their program. Our program, you know, if they're just coming in at four years old, we're obviously going to keep them from a longer period of time mm-hmm. unless we can um, give them back to their families um, or we'll work with other nonprofits that can take them in and, and help them establish their own life. Um, each kid is given their own caseworker. So once they've graduated our program and, and we've shown them how to sustain their own lifestyle, we will follow them for years to come. Okay. We don't just abandon them. Hey, that's it. Okay, good luck. Right. You're on your own, right? Yeah, no. Okay. We we will follow them for, for years, and a lot of them um, do come back just to say thank you, or sometimes they come back because they found themselves in that situation again. Mm. And they said, hey, I, I don't know what went wrong. I need help again. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll train these girls. Whatever they want to do, if they want to be a hairstylist, if they want to be a beautician, if they want to be a chef, um, they want to work in hospitality, we will find a way to train them mm-hmm. to do it. We'll work with other nonprofits um, just so that they can be out there doing what they love to do. Right. Yeah. But okay. for the most part, we'll keep them as long as we can. But we try to we try to get them out within about two to three years because they don't we don't want them to depend on us, to mm-hmm. become dependent on us. Right. We want them to establish their own dependency mm-hmm. and individualism. Right, because then, that, you know, like, um, not to sound mean, but, like, there's other people that, that can fill that position, you know what I mean? Other kids that yes. are, that are you know, desperately need that help. And, you know, you guys heavily depend on, on you know, people to donate money, right? Because, yeah. I mean, if, if the money runs out, then the resources run out. Then, exactly. Then, you know, now we're back to having nothing, and these kids are back on the streets or, you know, they don't get any, the help that they need. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I, I think a lot of people get skeptical of like, well, what is money going to? You know what I mean? Because there's so many, you know, like people get burned, like, yeah. you know, like they they got bamboozled by this nonprofit where they were really not a profit. They were just, you know, just taking money, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And not using it for what they're, you know, they're intended to use it for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's we're important. We're very transparent with our money. Um, you can go onto our website and it shows exactly every percentage of what where the money goes to. So, um, 2016, we ended at 83%. 2000, we let, ended up at 80%. That goes to 
the girls, the children, the programs, mm-hmm. um, about 9% goes to administration. Okay. Yeah. So we're very transparent about our money. Mm-hmm. And you can go on our website and see all that. Yeah, because like I said, some people are skeptical. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. where's money going to? You know what I mean? Because, exactly. Because, uh, you know, there's nonprofits where they're they're paying their CEOs, like, you know, ton of money it's like <laughs> not to name well <laughs> i mean isn't this money supposed to go to like help the people and all of a sudden this guy's driving around in a ferrari and like yeah it's not working out man <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's, you're you kind of kind of ruin it for everybody else yeah yeah so it, it's important to um like, we do take care of our staff mm-hmm. don't get me wrong we do take care of our staff but um we don't live that lavish lifestyle but we don't live in that poverty mindset either mm-hmm. yeah well you, you saw what, what uh kind of going off topic but uh with disneyland where they did like a they did a survey, you know, like a thousand or five thousand uh, uh, employees from Disneyland, and they figured that some of them are like living in the poverty line, like, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so now they're they're trying to figure out like they want to raise, right? right. So and, and you know they, they raise they raise their prices, you know, you know they went up, you know, quite a bit, you know what I mean? And what about taking care of their people? Right. Like, you know, I mean, kind of going off topic too, but California's <laughs> poverty line is kind of up there it's it's expensive to live in california in general right yeah especially in orange county <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh I, well i'm fortunate to live, to live in tustin but you know a lot of people like live in corona or you know i live in the inland, inland empire, i.e yeah. you know what i mean so, so you have to like battle traffic in the 91 oh my man. goodness yes uh, well sometimes we, we drive you know to work in you know um fontana or whatever like five in the morning and you know, for us, it's like smooth sailing, you know, like, you Going know, I, 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 yeah, out in Orange County, in, but yeah. Orange County is like bumper to bumper at five mm-hmm. in the morning. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Southern California. Southern California is so expensive to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's where these wages come in. And it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy that, that if you're any, making anywhere under $30,000 in California, you know, that's considered poor, poor. Yeah. <laughs> Where you that's, can that's live, a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, you can live, you know, central, um, central states, and that's oh, yeah. a pretty move, good move lifestyle. Move to Texas. Yeah, move to Texas. <laughs> you, you, can, you can afford a home in Texas, man. I don't know about the weather, but I think that's why everybody wants to move to, to California because yeah, of the weather. Right? Weather is beautiful. Yeah. Right. You know. You know. I mean, look look at the homeless situation. You know, and like thankfully, uh, you know, Todd Spitzer and the guys from the county, yeah, figured it out, and you know, well. Kind of figured it out, you know. They they at least they get, you know, they got they figured what like four hundred vouchers and ended up like with seven hundred, yeah, seven hundred. I mean, a that's almost that's double. A, uh, yeah, it's a lot, you know. Yeah. And, and I listened to it on the radio where he was like, he had like, um, I don't know, it was a year or or what, you know, I had a, he had a longer time frame to 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 house like two hundred people, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then he had to house like four hundred or something like that in two weeks. That's that's a lot of work for somebody to to try to find motels. Wow. You know, to take these people in, you know what I mean. So, but now, like, what do you do? Yeah, you know what I mean. So now it's like you have to kind of, like, kind of what your organization does. So now you you bring these people in. Now you got to figure out like who wants help, who you know, who needs the help. Uh, how can you help them? Yeah. So they they so they become a, a um, productive you know individual in society. You know what yeah. I mean. If, you know, if they can't live in Orange County, then they have to you know train them up and you know get them back on their feet. But you know they have to. You know, they have to put their time in too, right? Yeah, you know, and it, same thing with, like, what we do. You know, they have to want it. So, you know, sometimes there are those occasions where they don't know what they want. Mm. Um, but, you know, like with that homeless situation, they have to want it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you, do you get kids that, that, you know, like they've been in the system for, you know, four or five years and, and they're just like, they're not making progress? I mean, what do you guys do with, with, peop- with kids like that? Yeah, um, we get kids like that all the time where, you know, um, they make good money doing that, and um, they well they'll come in and out, in and out, in and out. But you know we have such an open door policy that we don't want to restrict them. Mm-hmm. We don't want to you know come, tell them what to do. That's what their traffickers did. Mm-hmm. That our door is always open for them. But it does come to a point where sometimes we we'll have to tell them, hey, you can't come in here if you're going to keep going back. Mm-hmm. Um, that has happened. That has happened for sure. But um, we'll follow them. We'll keep, you know, our counselors give them their numbers and we'll follow them mm-hmm. until they're, you can tell, you, you just know when somebody's ready. Right. Yeah. And right. even if they're over the age of 18, cause you know, we, our focus is underage. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll still work with them. And again, we'll, we'll work with other non, nonprofits to help us work with that individual, mm-hmm. if, even if they're older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing that, you know, that there's, there's 
people and, and, and organizations that, that are willing to to sacrifice a lot to, to help these kids that, that don't have much, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. if it wasn't for, for these, not, you know, for these organizations, then, you know, they wouldn't get the help that they, they really need, you know yeah. what I mean? And desperately need because they're, like you're saying, they're, they're, they're brainwashed, they're being bamboozled to, to live this kind of lifestyle. They don't even know what they need sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, if they're, if they're brought up, you know, for us, what's wrong and for them, it's right. You know, it's like they, they can't distinguish what's right and wrong. You know, they go, oh, well, yeah. this is right for me. But no, it's not. It's it's not right. To some, it's it's it is cultural based. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it can be cultural based. That's what they grew up. That's how. That's what they know. Like, um, in some cultures, women are are thought to be as as cloth as as trash, like disposable. Where men is gold, and so, you know, they're just used and worn out until they're ready to be thrown away. Mm-hmm. Is there so there's 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 countries that are more predominantly like to just discard women than others, or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries is is more that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they just discard women. You know, um, in some cultures in the Middle Eastern countries, the the women value the man so much that they'll leave their children from a past marriage to go into a new marriage. Wow! They'll just completely discard them, and that's where traffickers will come in and take those children. That's crazy. Yeah. What was that movie? Uh, we were talking about this a while ago. Was it the uh... Lion? Lion. Lion, yeah. See, I, I see, I, you know, when when we were when you were telling me about that, I didn't, I didn't know that that's what was going on where those kids were in the streets, right? And, and the, they were, you know, they, they were, were in those tunnels. Yeah, those tunnels, and then and then you know they started get you know get, started getting uh, snatched yeah. up and stuff like that. Yeah, you thought they were police? No, yeah, they, I they thought they were, were police. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly how it is. Like that. Yeah, they'll just find those kids because the kids will find each other in the group themselves so wait so um, you're saying there's like there's like a pack of like kids running around yeah and like in str- really <laughs> yeah they're running the streets wow and sometimes you know um uh they'll have the boys be the pickpocketers and the girls used for sex trafficking mm-hmm. yeah and then they'll sometimes even raise the boys to become traffickers as themselves wow because they get money mm-hmm. it's always about money mm-hmm. yeah that's that's insane. Do, so now, do, is there any any situations where you guys bring in somebody that's like they need to be totally dependent on the organization? Yes. Yeah. Like, or they're just they're just like mentally they just mm-hmm. can't. Yeah, yeah, and that's when we'll put them into our, our um, empowerment program. Okay. Um, where we start showing them their value and their worth and who they are, and, it, and that takes a long process. Um, you know, especially if they're coming in at um, a pivotal age where 15 and 16, where they they know they're women. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just broken, though. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, if we have really young children, four years old, yeah, they're completely and totally dependent on this. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to live and work mm-hmm. other than trafficking. They're the sex trade. That's um, That's heavy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, I have I have nieces and stuff like that. And, like, to, to think of, like, somebody, like, doing that, it's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have my baby cousin. You know, she's 17. She's just about to graduate and go to college. And um, when I look at her, I'm just like, man, like, I could not imagine anybody hurting you. Mm-hmm. Like, you are such a beautiful young woman. I could not imagine anybody even thinking about touching you that way mm-hmm. like all i want for her is like a husband and family and kids and you know you you couldn't think of that but again bringing the hope back into it being over there and seeing these these girls and children there's so much hope in them mm-hmm. they're so resilient they're so resilient they these i've seen i've met some girls that have come from the most horrible places where they absolutely did not want to be there mm-hmm. and they were broken but you know interacting with them they're just so resilient and happy and smiling and you know just so grateful to be out of that situation mm-hmm. and to have friends have a family um cuz our staff becomes their family mm-hmm. um and to have food and basic needs and basically an opportunity that's yeah. all they want is an opportunity which we take for, we take for granted here because we have pretty much everything that we need yeah you know i mean we don't have to go very far to uh to <laughs> you know starbucks is right there yeah yeah the grocery <laughs> store is always they're always packed you know what i mean and, and uh 
I think uh, you know we take we take a lot of things that we have here for granted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and, and other other people will be like, "Wow, you know, like they can go days without eating." Yeah. You know what I mean? And we, here we're we're throwing food away constantly, or we're eating three to six times a day. And yeah, yeah. If they're they're just so excited to have a meal for a couple of days. Right. One right. meal. Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah. So, do you get girls that want to be a part of the organization where they they you know they they want to help other girls? Yeah, we have plenty of girls that want to uh, that come back and want to be counselors. It's it's amazing to see them wanting to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, some will uh, go on and be successful and then start giving back to the organization. Yeah, we have plenty of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's really great to see it full circle. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um so the president of the uh, of, of this organization, so you we were talking about a while ago, you're saying that, you know, he, he these these people get death threats and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're messing with somebody's livelihood, mm-hmm. uh especially with an in, you know, with an industry that's a billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna get death death threats and um does it get violent out there with the with like like the um, undercover agents or? Um... It can, it can if they are discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very fortunate and very blessed to that has not been the issue, um, but it has happened, um, where the undercover agent had to go, you know, back to the fam back to his own family and just stand undercover and just be quiet for months. Months wow. on end, yeah. Um, our our founders, you know. He does get death threats, um, but it doesn't face him. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't deter him. him. Yeah, because yeah. he looks at his his daughters mm-hmm. and he's like, nope. Because if they were, what he said is, if it were my daughters in there, I would stop to no end to mm-hmm. make sure that they were safe. Well, I, I, w- I wish other people would would feel the same way. You know what I mean? Instead of just thinking, you know, people are just pieces of property. You know, instead yeah. of actually being a actual person yeah i think that you know that's i think that's where uh value the like family values you know come into play where you know if you have no family values if you have nothing really to base your life on then you know that's kind of why you know you don't really care and discard people you know what i mean yeah so i think you know having a good foundation you know good family values is very important you know what i mean i think we're, we're losing that nowadays we are, you know, I think, especially with our millennial generation, <laughs> it's always about me, 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 or I, I, I. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, it's, everybody's becoming more and more selfish, I feel, personally. Selfish, self-focused. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, you know, and, and, but it's, that's how mainstream is, you know, like they're just self-help books, you know what I mean? It's all about, you know, improving yourself, you know what yeah. I mean? It's all about me, like you're saying, me, 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 you know. Yeah, like, but what happens? What happens when you can't rely on yourself? <laughs> That's a good question. I right? don't know. You you rely on the government to help you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you have all these self help books that, like, you know, oh, you are your own energy. You are your own um, advocate. You are your mm-hmm. own power. Your own strength. What happens when you don't have that power? What happens when you don't have that strength? You have nothing, I guess. Who do you rely on? Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's where I feel like um, a family based structure. You can you. I, I know personally, I can always rely on my mom. Mm-hmm. And if my mom's feeling down and low, she can rely on me. Mm-hmm. If you have that that structure, that's where we're missing a lot of nowadays. Yeah, yeah, because it's all about me. And, and um, I think there's a there's a um, kind of going off topic, but it's a, it's a lack of respect for for people around you, your elders. Like I was brought up to respect your elders. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, uh, and Mr. now, Mr. and Mrs. always by their last name. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, I shake their hand, and you know, and and uh, give them a kiss on the cheek and stuff yep. like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we've we've lost a lot of that, you know, and uh, just the way that um, the, the world is going. You know yeah. what I mean? I know. Off topic. It's like I feel like a lot of kids just want to grow up so fast now mm-hmm. because they want to be independent and just just want to be adults right you know well, may, may, adults. yeah maybe that's why you know these kids here in, in uh in the u.s that's why they get maybe wrapped up in, into the into this this the sex trafficking trade because they they don't have that those values that they're just mm-hmm. like you know this person loves me they, they care for me whatever and you know i, I want to live see what see where it goes type of deal you know yeah yeah it's very true it's yeah. uh it's crazy um <clears throat> where where can people find more information? 
So they can go to our website, um, destinyrescue.org, mm-hmm. and you can find everything on there. Um, how to get involved. There's team trips if you want to go overseas for two weeks. Um, if you want to go on uh, a rescue, um, it's kind of just by word of mouth right now about um, our rescue trips because we don't want, obviously, the traffickers to know when or how we're sending yeah, people out. So right. That's that's, that's got to be, you know, real, real, uh, real delicate t- subject, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, you don't. You don't want uh, um, wolves amongst the sheep, right? Exactly. So you have to inquire about it, and there is a whole interview process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's ways to give on there. You could become a rescue partner. Uh, you can become a monthly donor, and however much you want to give a month, absolutely. If you want to rescue a kid for 1500 and become a corporate sponsor, or if you want to give a dollar a month, there's a ways to give online. Um, there's also called Rescue Sundays. So if you're part of a church, you can um, fill out an application to have a Rescue Sunday, and we'll send you information on how to um, represent mm-hmm. your at your church Destiny Rescue. So, so the, this organization, the, so you guys work with churches, uh, um, a lot of churches, then we do. We okay. do, yeah. We work with uh, churches all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few uh, churches that give monthly. Like mm-hmm. this is their missions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we work with a lot of like rotary clubs, um, and then just regular individuals who mm-hmm. want to give. Yeah. So, I mean, do, are you guys incorporating like, like church in, into like the, the rehabilitation process with the kids or, or is that something different? Uh, no. So w- when we rescue them, um, we don't force any religion on them. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it is a Christian, uh, nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't force any religion on them. We give them opportunities to come and go to church. Uh, to go to Wednesday night services, worship services, to come and learn. But that's all in their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them do uh, go to, like, worship and services um, because their friends are going. Mm-hmm. Um, but they get to make that conscious decision. We don't ever enforce them. But we do a lot of values. Our Christian values are implemented on them. Like, again, like their self-worth, um, mm-hmm. who God sees them in their eyes mm-hmm. or how we see them mm-hmm. in their in our eyes as children, mm-hmm. as um, beautiful young women and young men, um, but never it's never forced on them. Okay. Yeah. So when you say men, so so you guys encounter um, like boys being used and stuff like that as well. Oh yes. But it's, it's mainly it's mainly girls. It's mainly girls, but there are some people um, that want to have sex with boys. Mm-hmm. To be very blunt with it, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you have those men out there. You have those women out there. It's not just uh, men that are going to go and sleep with children. It's it's women too. Wow. Um, but it's a lot, you know, a lot of men will want to sleep with little boys, want to sleep with little girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, what happens to these individuals? Like, do they, do they, uh, 